Last week, we identified the signs of a victim mentality. We discovered that those who live under this mindset are prone to bitterness, feel hopeless, powerless, and have a negative outlook on their life. We discovered also that the victim mentality leaves us feeling stuck and it stunts our growth emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and even financially. If you missed it, push pause on this episode and go back and listen to that one first as it sets us up for what we are talking about today. Today, it's all about getting unstuck. It's about real practical solutions that we can put into practice in order to untangle our lives from this energy-wasting, joy-taking thief that we were never intended to carry. Are you ready for freedom? Are you ready for joy? Pull on your armor, girl, because I'm not promising it will be painless, but I promise the pain will be worth the joy and freedom waiting for you. Let's do this. Welcome to Walking on Water, where our focus is to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. What's the storm in your life? I'll never say that it's easy, but Jesus changes our perspective. He gives us courage to do life differently, to throw off the victim mentality that threatens to drown us in our pain, and he gives us the tools we need to live a victorious life. I'm your host, Lynette Carpenter. Let's discover more about the power-filled, faith-filled life Jesus invites us to live. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back. I'm so excited to have you here today. I feel a heavy weight of anticipation and joy as I was preparing for today because this message is one that is, in my thinking, so important because so many people are weighed down with anxiety and hurt and hopelessness, even inside the walls of the church. Many people feel stuck. Many are so, so tired. And even more so for those who are bound by a victim mentality. And so we're going to look at what that, well, we looked last week at the signs of a victim mentality. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure that you listen to that and then take some time to ask the Lord to reveal places in your life where you may have the victim mentality. Um, So many come into a place of a victim mindset in various ways. Some reasons are major and some are more minor, but whatever the reason, digging ourselves out of that pit can be difficult and lonely. We feel as though no one else could ever understand what has happened to me and why I am the way I am. I see a world full of people whose hearts stopped beating the day the abuse started or those words were spoken or when he walked away or we stood by a grave or she got the promotion or, or, or. I see men and women putting up walls, keeping those who love them most at bay because the risk of loving and losing is too great. The pain is too heavy. The loss too severe. And as a society, we avoid pain at every cost. We numb our wounded souls in order to spare them from one more moment of suffering. What's your numbing protocol? What's your guilty pleasure, your distraction? I promised you last week that today we're going to start from a place of comfort, and we are, because that's what victims need. I do want to acknowledge, though, that I am not a licensed therapist or psychologist What I'm sharing here is things that I have learned throughout my own life and relationship with the Lord. And I also want to tell you that I have been to counseling myself, and I highly recommend it. Making that first phone call is scary, but I promise you it is so worth it. I can think of many situations in my life where I have carried hurt, and today I want to share what I have learned. So 
Step number one, we're going to go through 10 different steps today, some a little bit longer than others, but we're going to see if we can get through all 10. Number one, start off by putting your armor on. We've been given the armor of God, and it is a tool so often underrated and overlooked. The armor of God protects and shields us even as it strengthens our core and gives us a foundation of peace. It provides the weapons we need to both fight and defend. I think the I think of the armor of God each time I prepare to walk into our chicken barns. If you haven't been here long, you maybe don't know this, but I'm a farm girl and we have chicken barns. Um, now, I'm a farm girl who loves mani-pedis, okay? I'm not afraid, though, to shovel some manure, but I have a complicated latte order, and I do love a good spa day. So when I'm heading into the barns where there's chicken litter and cranky roosters and death, I know I'm going to be dealing with some of the not-so-pleasant stuff. But when this borderline bougie girl pulls on her fancy farm boots and a pair of gloves and grabs a broken broom handle, I can deal with the death and the mess and the attacks that sneak up from behind. Why? because I'm prepared and protected. So don't step into your day in the same way. Don't step into your day without putting your armor on. You're going to find the armor of God in Ephesians 6 in your Bible. Study that. Read it. Wear it. Um, Now that your armor is on, we are ready to do business with step number two, and that is identify and acknowledge the trauma. I want to tell you a story. My youngest son, Kobe was two years old when he accidentally met the backswing of his older brother's golf club and blood immediately ran down his face um, where he had a cut above his eye and it was awful. But we didn't step in and tell him how he shouldn't have been standing there or start berating his brother for hurting him or suggesting, you know, healing methods or calling others to tell them what happened. There'd be time for that later. No, what we did is we stepped in and we looked at the situation and began to come up with a plan of how we could help him feel better. We didn't tell him, hey, you know, get over it. Instead, we raced to his side, and the first thing I did as his mother, I comforted him. I held him. I acknowledged his hurt. I looked at the gaping wound and the flesh and the blood, and I touched him, and I told him, I'm so sorry this happened to you. It can seem small and unimportant, but it is so vital that we do not miss this step called comfort, to take time to look at our wounds, our hurts, our source of pain, to go back to those words that were spoken or that broken relationship or that betrayal, to step into it and acknowledge it happened. And there in your place of deep hurt, can I speak the words of comfort over you that you needed to hear? Can I tell you that I'm so sorry that happened to you? I hate that you were hurt like that. I hate that this has caused you so much pain. I'm so, so sorry that this happened. If we were face to face, I wouldn't rush past this moment because depending on the level of trauma that you've experienced, you might need to stay here a while in this place of comfort. And it's okay if you decide to push pause so that you can just sit here for a moment and just receive the comforting words that you hear, but know that they are also words of comfort that the Lord himself wants to give to you. If you are the one who offers this comfort to others, I want you to look hard, to listen hard to those words. They're strictly comfort. They come with no demands, no expectations, no shoulds, no woulds, no coulds. 
nothing about my personal experience. And for the love, why do we feel like we need to one-up each other when it comes to someone's hurting? You lost your job? Oh, that's terrible. It reminds me of the time I lost mine. (laughs) You broke your leg? Ouch, at least you didn't break your arm like I did. You know what I'm saying? We need to stop this as brothers and sisters in Christ to one another. I'm not saying we can't swap stories, but we need to read the room. We need to consider our timing. Acknowledge a person's pain and be willing to simply comfort, to be there with them in their pain without shifting the focus back to you. So acknowledge the trauma, but the wound is open and we can't stay here. We need to make a plan. We've acknowledged it's happened. We've acknowledged that there's been um, that there's been pain, but we don't want to stay here. This is no place to stay. We've got to make a plan. We've got to move. Just like we did when Kobe got hit, we knew we got to pick him up. We've got to go. It's unlikely that you will ever experience physical trauma without more pain coming your way, though. So at the first hospital we visited with Kobe, they discovered that he had a hairline fracture in his skull, so we were put in an ambulance and transferred to a larger hospital. And there he was surrounded by a large team of medical staff while I was ushered over to speak with the hospital chaplain. And if you don't think that's unsettling, it was pretty scary for me. It was soon determined, though, that Kobe would only need stitches and then they were going to keep him overnight for observation. And while I hated for him to have added pain, I knew the shot to numb him was necessary. I knew the stitches had to happen. I knew the scans and the tests and the prodding and the poking were all part of the process. Standing back as his mommy and letting these things happen to my baby was hard, but it was needed. In the same way, We can't move forward towards a place of healing and growth without times of pain and discomfort. Friend, don't shy away from those moments. Welcome the pain. Step into it. Let it do its work of moving you towards healthy and whole. Not all pain is bad pain. Like in childbirth, when in labor, allowing your body to receive the pain rather than fighting against it will actually quicken your labor rather labor rather than prolonging it. So take a deep breath. You can do this. Once we've identified and acknowledged the trauma, we move on to step number three, and that is repentance. This is where some of the pain comes in. We need to take responsibility for our role in the situation. Repentance is vital. Do you remember last week when we talked about the victim mentality and how, how we shift blame to others? Here is where we take a hard look at ourselves and see where we have been in the wrong. Does your victim mindset affect your family relationships? Consider your words when speaking to your family members. Are you passive aggressive? Are you sarcastic? Do you give the silent treatment? Do do you use backhanded compliments? Or maybe your victim mentality has caused you to live with resentment towards others because their life is so much easier than yours. Maybe comparison has consumed each day and you fail to find any reason for joy. You and I, we are both, we are all responsible for what we take in and what we put out. And purity in heart is a great place to start. This is why repentance matters. David said in the Psalms, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So accept what you have done so that you can be free from it. 
You have to hold it and to look at it and consider what it was because you can't lay down what you don't hold in your hands. And a large step a large step in moving out of a victim mentality is to accept responsibility for your actions and repenting of it. After we've repented of this, we move on to step number four, which is forgiveness. What has been done against you? Holding on to unforgiveness will never, ever benefit you for the good. We can feel a right to carry unforgiveness towards another, but the damage it causes to ourselves and those we love is never worth the weight of carrying it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice and one you may have to choose multiple times. Lead yourself in this matter. Tell your mind what to think. Don't let your heart lead you. You lead your heart. Tell yourself, self, (laughs) I know we don't feel like it, but guess what? We're going to forgive. And then say it out loud. I forgive so-and-so for this and this. Name the offense. Say it out loud. And you do it, well, as Dr. Phil says, you do it until. (laughs) Number five, focus on what you can control. This will break the lie of feeling powerless by focusing on the areas that you do have control. We cannot control, for example, what other people do. The key to breaking free from a victim mindset is to find and focus on what you can control, though, no matter how small it might be. For example, you can control you. You can control your words, your thoughts, your reactions. You can also control certain aspects of your time. You can control how much you care for your body, what you do with your money, your relationship with God, and how much access people have to you. Now, I understand some of those different things, there's maybe some give and take on some of that. But for the most part, there are areas within that that you have control, um, that you would have control of. So take a hard look at this area of your life. What is one thing that you can control? Set some boundaries for yourself and others, and you will be amazed at just how this one simple step is so empowering. Step number six, be grateful. There are actually scientific studies which state that gratitude reduces our pain. There's also a quote which says that you cannot be grateful and unhappy at the same time. I would insert that it's possible, in my opinion, to be grateful and sad at the same time, but let's not argue over words. The point is that gratitude affects us emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. I'd even say financially. And if you're listening to this, it's likely you live in a state of abundance in comparison to the majority of the world population. So start out by writing down every single thing you have to be grateful for, and I promise you it will change your perspective. Number seven, remember who you are. Women in the church like to label themselves as daughters of the king, but do we act like royalty. One of the best illustrations I can think of is to consider the change that came into Princess Kate's life when she left her middle-class life to marry Prince William. Suddenly, she was given power, authority, abundance, resources, all because of the family she was brought into. Not only that, she carries herself now with dignity and with class, and she raises her children the same. Why? Because she carries a royal title. If you and I were daughters of King Charles, we would be doing the same thing, right? So then as daughter of the King of Kings, 
not just the king. He is the king of kings. How much more should we recognize all that we have available to us? Yet so many of us live as orphans with a victim mentality, and we are full of fear, lacking power, and just hoping that Jesus comes back soon so we can escape this crazy world. How does this glorify God? As his children, we need to represent him well, and we do this by getting to know him. And it is only by getting to know him that we recognize who we can be as his children. Number eight, get in the word. The word of God is active and powerful. You have this incredible tool available to you. Use it. Get to know God. He knows you and he wants for you to know him better. Don't miss out on the encouragement and hope and truth you will find inside the pages of the Bible. Spend time daily in the word of God. One of the best things, uh, one of the best places to get started if you are dealing with depression and fear and anxiety is in the book of Psalms. Read several of them a day. Some of them are really short. Some of them are really long. You'll find in the book of Psalms, the shortest and the longest chapters in the Bible. So get into the book of Psalms and just hear, um, read those words over yourself. Number nine, serve others. Serving your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your community. There are so many ways for us to reach out to those around us. Serving others takes our eyes off of ourselves and our misery, and it fills us with love for others. It stimulates growth and connection in our lives. Find out if there's a need in your church or at a local mission, and then step out and find a way to be a help to others. Serving others above yourself is so rewarding, and you'll find it shifts your mindset from one of bitterness, hurt, and powerlessness to one of joy, healing, and purpose. The last step, number 10, is create community. Isolation is one of the devil's greatest tools that keeps us trapped in the victim mentality. So connect with others. But I don't have any friends, some people say. Others go out all the time and I never get invited. They're so clicky. No one likes me. I challenge you, though, to go all in on those first nine steps and see if anything changes. And remember last week how we talked about um, some of the identifying signs of a victim mentality is negative speech. Cut that out. Just cut it out. Go on a negativity fast, like fast from negativity. Only speak um, words that are positive and uplifting and upbuilding and see how it changes. I would venture to say that the changes in you will change not only the way that you see you yourself, but other people will see the change in you as well, and it will, it will draw others towards you. So work on those, nine, those first nine steps that I shared um, today, uh, work on those over the coming week, and then join me back here for the last episode of the season where I will be sharing about friendship. We'll talk about why and how to build community inside of a friendship group. I hope these 10 steps have been helpful to your life. I know that they have been helpful in mine, even at the same time that they have been challenging as well, because some of these can be so hard and so difficult to do when we have to stop and be real and honest with ourselves. Please remember that each person's journey is different and we are all carrying unique levels of trauma from our past. If you are a believer, you have access to the power and authority of God. So walk in it. He wants this for you and I do too. Psalm ten fourteen says, but you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim comes the victim commits himself to you. You are a helper of the fatherless. 
Commit yourself to God, my friend. He sees what has happened to you. He knows and he loves justice. And trust him that he will bring justice into your situation. Leave the past to him and choose to walk free from the bondage of a victim mentality and live the life he offers you. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to share this with a friend or on your social media accounts. In fact, tag me on Instagram and I'll be sure to reshare it on my stories. Also, don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss an episode. I hope that you were encouraged and inspired today. Always remember, your life has purpose, you have value, you are loved, and with Jesus, you can rise above your storm. Get out of the boat, friend. Let's walk on water.